James Davis. Hello, listener, and thank you so much for joining us on the Teaching Abroad pod coming at you on August 25th. I'm your host, James Davis, and with me this week is one of our regular co-hosts, Rowan Lomas from the Oxford Seminars Job Placement Service. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Oxford Seminars. If you're looking to teach overseas or online, check out their new and improved 120-hour TESOL TESOL TEFL course, complete with access to the unrivaled job placement service. Go to oxfordseminars.com today to find out more. And with that, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 10 of the Teaching Abroad pod, where we discuss all things TESOL from travel adventure stories, food recommendations, teaching tips, and job search advice. We'll be releasing episodes at least every two weeks, so be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. On today's show, we will be talking to Oxford Seminars graduate, Lintonia Davis, full disclosure, we are not related, about teaching and recruiting English instructors in Costa Rica. But first, my esteemed co-host, Rowan, how are you? Doing well, James, how are you? I'm doing very well indeed, although I am a bit jealous of Lintonia being in Costa Rica. I would love to be there right now. That is definitely a place I would love to visit one of these days. I'm sad I haven't been there yet. Um, since, you know, we're going to be talking with someone who's currently in Costa Rica, um, we thought uh, that we might share some fun facts with you all. So, um, first of all, Costa Rica is the largest country geographically with no standing military. And they celebrate that fact every year on December 1st with Army Abolition Day. I have heard that about Costa Rica. Uh, it's such a, such a cool fact. You can go there and not be worried about seeing, you know, military with AK-47s in the street and some kinds of things you might see in some other countries abroad it's a really signifies a, a peaceful country yeah i think we should celebrate that in uh the world we live in today well done costa rica um rowan do you have any fun facts for us about costa rica absolutely uh one of my former colleagues used to always say um if you're ever in costa rica be sure to visit the sloth sanctuary so i guess costa rica is a place they have sloth so, you know, if you ever wanted to see a sloth up close and personal, uh, probably a trip to Costa Rica is in the cards. Uh, I think they even have multiple sloth sanctuaries, but the first one in Limon was established in 1992. And in fact, the original sloth rescue resident Buttercup still lives there to this day. That is an excellent fact. I feel like that is winning the day so far. My next fact, uh, Costa Rica is one of the top global destinations for ziplining. Uh, I will not be partaking in ziplining. However, if that's your thing, Costa Rica is the place for you. I've not done that in many years, but I did enjoy it when I did it. So see if I'm still up for that uh, trek through the, the trees next time I, I make it to a zipline. 
I will live vicariously through you. Oh, watch the videos. My next one, um, I don't know if it's so much as a fun fact, but a useful tidbit uh, about going to Costa Rica in COVID time. So from our recent research we did, uh, you might have seen our blog post uh, not too long ago on current COVID restrictions in top Tesla markets. So uh, from that research, we did learn that as of August 1st, fully vaccinated tourists and all minors will no longer be required to show proof of COVID-19 travel insurance. So that's a nice cost savings benefit for those who are vaccinated and wanting to go to Costa Rica. Very nice indeed. All right. Uh, for our final fact, as I like to do on this podcast, I'm going to shoehorn some sports specifically soccer. I think this is amazing. So the population of Costa Rica is about 5 million people. However, they have qualified for four out of the last five FIFA World Cups, which is a monumental achievement. And not only have they qualified for the World Cup that many times, back in 2014, they even got to the quarterfinals. So they are seriously serious about soccer so well done costa rica you are that is certainly impressive i mean canada uh cannot say the same that is for sure <laughs> one day maybe do you does canada automatically qualify when it hosts i believe so that that might be our our ticket in although uh there's still a chance qualifying is still ongoing coming up next month for for the next upcoming world cup so all hope is not lost yet very nice uh good canada but hopefully we'll see costa rica there they are really fun to watch so we've given you a few good reasons to think about living and teaching in costa rica however our five facts are nothing compared to what you're going to hear from Lintonia. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, she'll be with us right after this word from our sponsor. With Oxford Seminars, starting your new career teaching ESL couldn't be easier. Oxford Seminars has trained more than 70,000 teachers over the past 20 years, and you could be next. Their comprehensive 120-hour program starts with live instruction from an experienced ESL teacher, followed by convenient online modules. If your goal is to relocate overseas, or even teach from the comfort of your own home. Oxford Seminars' renowned lifetime job placement service will get you where you want to be. Call 1-800-779-1779 by August 27th and give the code POD825 to get $50 off your Oxford Seminars TESOL course price when paying in full. If you're too late, don't worry, there'll be another code in the next episode. Now back to the show. We are now joined by Oxford Seminars alum, Lintonia Davis. She is a graduate of Agnes Scott College with a bachelor's degree in Spanish. Lintonia completed the Oxford Seminars TESOL TEFL, TEFL course in Atlanta back in 2016. With the help of the job placement service, she began teaching at Idioma International in San Jose, Costa Rica back in July of 2016. And she's been there ever since. She is now a recruiting specialist with Idioma Welcome to the pod, Antonia. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you all. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? 
I'm doing well. Thank you very much from sunny Costa Rica. <laughs> so yes. can't complain. I'm looking outside at my gray skies and I'm a little bit jealous, I must say. Understood. Well, you're always welcome to come. So yes. you can always come down. It's on the list. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so Lintonia, what first drew you to Costa Rica? Oh, that's a great question. I would say the idea of one studying or not studying, but living abroad in a country where I actually studied the language. And then also the idea of teaching, helping others, and then being able to travel and do that. So I was like, Costa Rica seems like a really cool spot, not too far away from the US and close to uh, family, cheap flights, et cetera, but also live in paradise, so. Very nice. And what, uh, what is it like running a language school based out of Costa Rica? Oh, that's a good question. I would say it's very diverse. So what I mean by that is the team that I work with, teachers come from all over the world. So we have teachers from South Africa that are native English speakers. We have teachers from, of course, Canada, the, the States, um, but also from the UK. And so it's very diverse in that respect with teachers backgrounds, even being native speakers, but also working with the students that we work with. So uh, we're located here in Costa Rica. Our student base, I would say it's majority, uh, all from Latin America, but mostly Costa Rican, but you also have people from Nicaragua, from other Central American countries that are part of our student base and even our staff. So we very much in the word are international with the students and the teachers that we work with. And so I would say that's something that's really unique about uh, working here in Latin America at a language school. So that's one of the, the things that I've noted. That's interesting, very multicultural. Absolutely. Uh, are there any specific challenges uh, that go along with that or just in running a, a language school in, in San Jose in general? Yeah. Um, I would say some of the challenges that come to my mind is one with so many cultures at work being sensitive. And I think that's something that uh, we really strive towards doing and being uh, culturally sensitive. So we have lots of different cultures at work um, and just being mindful of that, but also celebrating that. So making sure to celebrate the differences um, and honor the differences. And then some of the difficulties maybe of running a language school in Costa Rica. Um, I would say is, hmm, another difficulty. That's really the only difficulty that comes to my mind at this time, Rowan, in terms of difficulty with teachers and staff and teachers. Okay, thanks. Absolutely. So, I mean, Costa Rica is certainly a very popular destination for tourism, uh, specific, specifically ecotourism. Um, do you think it should be more popular as a teaching destination too? Do you think it's kind of under the radar a little bit? I think it is uh, slightly under the radar. And I think it's a great place to come to, to teach. I think a lot of times people think of Asia as a destination and it is uh, for teaching, of course. But I think Costa Rica is a hidden gem because you do have paradise here. You have, you know, the uh, beautiful rainforest. You have uh, the hot, humid locations on the beach as well. Um, but there's also lots of opportunities. I would say Costa Rica as a country 
really, really, really strives for education, for pushing education, for pushing English as well as opportunities for Costa Ricans to grow. So there is a huge market and I would even say a huge need for English teachers here in Costa Rica um, that the country and companies and even students are looking for. So it is a hidden gem here in Latin America. Um, and it's also a beautiful location to be in. And I would say culturally as well, the people are incredibly friendly, incredibly open and want to learn. So um, I think you have all of those elements at work that make it a really great place. So, and it's close to the States too, for those that are like, I don't want to be too far away from home. Perfect. Apologies if you heard my dog there at the beginning, he was decided to get involved and give his two cents. Um, <laughs> so also um, the Tico Times is a English newspaper in Costa Rica. Um, so for someone like yourself, who's been in Costa Rica a while now, um, can you explain uh, Tico? Uh, is it popularly used in Costa Rica? Yes, it is. Okay. So um, oddly enough, in Spanish, the word for Costa Rican is a Costa Ricense. However, the word Tico comes from a diminutive that is used a lot in Spanish to describe things that are small. So like, un poco tico or uh, un po the tico or tica and it actually started being used to describe the people and it is not offensive in any shape or form so you'll hear uh, ticos refer to themselves as ticos or ticas and so it is used quite often everywhere and you'll actually hear it quite a bit in Spanish with the diminutives on the end of words. Perfect thanks for clearing that up I was just I had, I had to know where that came from, so thank you. You're welcome. What would you say is the attitude of Ticos in terms of English? Is it like a, a vital skill for jobs or education within the country, or is it more uh, popular for those wanting to travel abroad or study overseas? That's a good question. I would say yes uh, to both of those. So um, I would say the attitude towards English is that it is a tool that opens doors. So uh, a lot of people view it that way. Like if I get a little bit more English, then it'll open up promotions for me on my job or it'll allow me to go to university and study abroad. Um, it opens up opportunities. And so with that in mind, I have found with my students that I've taught in the past personally and as a whole, that people are very eager to learn because they understand um, that it opens up doors of opportunities for them, uh, both here in country and outside of the country. And um, I would say that's the general attitude from the government as well with the initiatives that they create with programs um, and from companies and employees and students themselves. Awesome, thanks. Um, so then, Tony, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about your students, uh, their ages, their kind of general level. Um, is there anything kind of uh, new with idioma that you want to tell us about? Yeah, so in terms of idioma students, I would say we have two main divisions. So we have our Tools for Success program, which deals with mostly older high school teens. And they're actually from technical high schools, as we'd call them here in Latin America. I guess it'd be more like vocational high school in the US, uh, where they're actually learning the skills that they're going to graduate uh, with and then be able to go directly into jobs doing that, whether that's accounting or um, other fields. And so those teens tend to be the ages of about 15 to 18 years of age and really motivated 
to learn English because they're going to be utilizing it as soon as they graduate in their positions. And then the second area would actually be our corporate division. So these deal with multinational corporations, um, employers that are looking to, um, I would say, elevate their employees' English levels so they can put them up for promotions, put them in higher positions, and actually uh, open up, I would say, job opportunities as a whole for even more people to come in. So these adults tend to be ages 18 years of age, all the way up to your oldest working member of society who hasn't retired yet. Um, so uh, we have a large gamut of ages, um, I would say, working with older teens and adults. And then in terms of new and exciting projects that are coming up, one, I would say as a company, we are hiring year round. So it's not like a traditional school because we do work with corporations um, and uh, companies. So we're open year round, we hire year round, but we do have a really cool project that's coming up. We're calling it a mega project. We're actually working uh, closely with a government program in which uh, we'll be helping lots of people learn English. So we're looking at uh, lots of students coming on board and we'll actually have a need for a large amount of teacher more so than our regular hiring. And so for this special project, we're looking to hire, I would say anywhere between uh, 20 and 30 new teachers. Um, and we're looking for this project to actually start up in September, around mid-September. So in the next month or so, we're looking uh, for this to start up and we're really excited about it. Again, it will be working with adults and um, the language level that you asked about. We actually do level test all of our students before they go into any classes with us, which is really cool. We have our own internal test taking system and we do it according to the CEPHR standard, which is the Common European Framework of Reference for Languages. And our students actually range. So I would say anywhere from uh, lower uh, new beginner, uh, which would be around like A2, all the way up to C1 is the gamut in which we have classes. And of course, uh, we provide training for all of our teachers to be able to teach at any level. Oh, wow. So on any given day, you could you could teach from an A, A2 up to C1. It just exactly Exactly. That's nice. <laughs> it's That's really, really nice. nice. Yes. So, um, I was just wondering, as a, as a recruiting specialist, you're going to be obviously very busy with this new project. Um, does that cut the amount of teaching that you do a little bit, or are you still able to get to be in the classrooms? That's a great question. And James, actually, I stopped being a full-time teacher maybe about three years ago, but three years ago, I think it was. So I'm not officially teaching anymore, although I had done a, occasional subbing, but um, I'm not teaching fully anymore, but I do recruit and I also help with training as well. So um, <laughs> I miss some of my students, <laughs> but I'm fully recruiting right now. Well, that's good. I think it's important for people to know that, you know, if you if you do do something like you did in, uh, with Oxford seminars that it doesn't, there's not just one outcome where you, where you end up teaching, like you can go in multiple directions in this field. And I don't Absolutely. think people realize that all, all the time. Absolutely. I would agree with you, James. Um, there's a world of opportunity uh, with teaching abroad and you just never know where your path will lead you. So. <laughs> and certainly a lot of people make a career out of it. Um, We've spoken to quite a few people who have been abroad for, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. I'm Brendan at, at Idioma. I've been talking with him since I started Oxford Seminars over ten years ago. So obviously it's yeah. been something he's enjoyed. Absolutely. He's actually been with us, I think, a year before you joined. So like 11 years total. Yeah. And uh, he's gotten a citizenship here and everything. So... <laughs> 
Now, uh, for this special project, and I guess just your classes in general, uh, where are these classes being taught? Are they um, on site at corporate locations? Are they in your office, uh, your, you know, your own school setting? That's a great question, Rowan. Um, actually, all of our classes at this point in time are 100% virtual. So um, even if you don't feel like leaving the States just yet, um, but you would like a taste of teaching English, then there would be the opportunity to join our team remotely. And all of these classes would remain virtual uh, for this point in time, um, including for our special project and for our regular hiring. Good to know. So, um... I guess, in a normal non-COVID time, uh, how, how do the classes work in that case? That's also a really good question. So prior to COVID, um, I would say all of our positions were actually in country. So uh, we really, re well, we required that all teachers be in country in order to do it because we actually traveled to and from the client location. So our office was our central hub where you could print, get all of your materials, et cetera, uh, hang out with other teachers. And then from there, uh, we'd uh, go out to the different clients. So that would look like uh, being in in the, uh, I forgot the word, oh my gosh, the central transit, there we go, buses, cabs, Ubers, and things of that nature to get out to the actual client and then deliver the class and then come back to the office, prep for another class or even head home depending on your schedule. Um, and so everything was centralized at our office, was in transit and getting to and from the client, which was pretty cool because you got to see the inside workings of each company and also meet your students face-to-face. <laughs> Now, considering a lot of students are probably getting more uh, experienced with and comfortable with online learning, as well as your teachers, do you see, um, you know, maybe in 2022, 2023, going entirely back to that uh, in-person instruction, or will there be a sort of a hybrid element? How do you picture that going? Wow, that's a good question. You know, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I would have answered you totally different. Like, oh yeah, we're going back 100%. But I would say there is a certain type of freedom for both teachers and students with doing a virtual modality. Meaning as a student, you don't necessarily have to pack up your things from your office to go to a classroom. You, you're right there. So it's easy to plug in like you would with all your other meetings uh, and be there. Same thing for teachers. You have a lot more room um, in your schedule to do virtual teaching if you're not having to worry about, um, I would say, transition from place to place. Um, for 2022 or 2023, um, it's a little bit hard to predict, but my guess is it might go more into a hybrid modality, meaning instead of our classes being 100% virtual, we may see a trend towards maybe 75% virtual and 25 in person, really just depending on the client and I think their uh, comfort level with using <laughs> the virtual platform for classes and what they're kind of used to. But I still think that um, we're trending, and I, I see this globally, not just for idioma, trending towards virtual modal modality because it's so much easier to work with um, and schedule as well. It's certainly be nice to have that option, I guess, based on students' or teachers' preferences and skills and whatnot. Absolutely. And I guess speaking of skills, I guess from the perspective of an employer of teachers, what are some of the, the qualities and skills you look for when considering applicants for uh, the English teacher position? 
Well, <laughs> I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is TEFL certification. So um, that's one of the top things that we look for. So uh, TEFL certification um, and also teaching experience. So any type of practicum experience that you got, even in certification, if you're a brand new teacher, um, looking at that practicum side, any type of tutoring in your background. And um, I would say for veteran teachers, just looking at your teaching experience, how long have you been working with students, what type of uh, background have you been working with? So even if it's not necessarily with TEFL, did you do mathematics or history or what, what's your teaching that you have under your belt? And then I would say as a preference, we look for those that have uh, some type of educational degree, but I can also say from the recruiting standpoint, that does not preclude you from opportunities with us um, if you don't check all the boxes. But I would say those first two boxes would definitely be TEFL certification. And then I would say the next would be some type of teaching experience, um, even if that was only, you know, in your practicum that you got, uh, meaning in-class teaching experience that you got during a TEFL certification program. Um, and then in terms of qualities, and I would say in terms of, um, characteristics that we look for in teachers. There's actually three things that come to my mind, Rowan, uh, and that's actually kind of our company values. I would say innovation is one of them. So the ability to adapt, which I think is a must for any teacher, whether you work at Idioma or some other school, uh, adaptation is a huge skill. Um, excellent. So not just relying on, you know, I did a great job yesterday, but what can you do today to improve upon yourself, upon your classes? And, and looking to do that. And then I think one of the strongest things would be integrity. So being honorable in what you do and how you do it. And so those are the qualities that I look for in interviewing and even um, responses to questionnaires and things of that nature as a recruiter. And then also as what we'd like for on our team and as a teacher. Hope that helps answer your question. Okay, so we've grilled you about teaching English. However, our favorite topic on the podcast is definitely food. <laughs> mine, mine in general. <laughs> so what can, you, what can you tell us about Costa Rica? I, I, I know nothing, uh, um, you know, so what's good? What should uh, people look out for? Oh my gosh. Um, it's funny that you asked this question because just yesterday, um, my mom also came to Costa Rica with me as a side note and came down with my cat. So I have family here with me. Um, but we actually went to this restaurant and you can find it anywhere here in Costa Rica, but they're called patacones. And so what they are is, uh, you know, plantain, the really large like bananas, but they're much more starchy. They're usually green and really huge. Um, they aren't as sweet as regular bananas. What they do is they smash them up. They cut them up into little pieces. They smash them up so they become like patties and they fry them, which is delicious and probably unhealthy, but it's amazing. And so what you do, you have these fried kind of like tortilla shaped um, plantain and they sprinkle a little bit of sea salt on them and you have it with like fried beans, pico de gallo, which is like that tomato, garlic and onion with a little bit of lime on top as well as avocado and a little bit of Costa Rican cheese that they have and you put it all on top of this thing and you just eat it and it is so delicious I had some yesterday <laughs> and it's a great snack or you can eat it as a meal uh, so that's one of the dishes I recommend if you come to Costa Rica 
ask for patacones and you can get them um, at a lot of local restaurants, uh, whether you're in the Central Valley or on the, you know, the different coasts, um, but <laughs> they're delicious. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I could go for some of those right about now. <laughs> I'll send them over. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, also been discussing a little bit um, some of our favorite drinks while abroad on the podcast, especially adult drinks. Uh, are there any famous or perhaps infamous beverages to look out for or maybe avoid while in Costa Rica? Yeah, there are. So um, there's actually two drinks that come to my mind. I've had, I've had the pleasure of tasting them both. Um, <laughs> one is called Cacique. And it's actually like, I guess you could say it's kind of like a rum, but it's actually from sugar cane. So it's a sugar cane based liqueur from Costa Rica. And you do have to be a little bit careful. So there's like an official brand that they use. Um, and the only way I know how to identify it is it has like a little emblem or an icon of a Native American on it. Um, and it's called Cacique and it's called Guado on the bottom. And so it's like a sweet rum. It's really delicious. And they use it in lots of other drinks, which leads into the second drink that I'm going to talk about, which is called Chili Guado. And Chili Guado is Cacique mixed with like Tabasco sauce and a couple of other sauces all blended together. It sounds weird, but it tastes really great and it's spicy and it kind of burns going down. So <laughs> it's really good, um, but you can find that um, sometimes at parties or little events and they'll have like little shot glasses full of them with some salt around the edge or some type of pickle or lime, depending on the person uh, around the side. And spicy. Exactly. Interesting, I'll be on the lookout for that one. If I happen to find myself in Costa Rica in the, the nearest future. Yes, let us know. We'll give you a tour. So uh, obviously the, the last couple of years haven't been perhaps the best for traveling around Costa Rica. I'm not sure. Um, prior to that, though, had you done a lot of traveling uh, around the country? Um, were there any particular highlights of, of things you've seen? Yeah, so I've been to, I would say, both coasts, both the east and west coast, and there are a couple of highlights. Um, culturally, I'd just like to point out, um, there is an area of Costa Rica called Limon, a province, um, and so if you are, well, even if you're not, it's really cool. They have a unique background of Afro-Caribbean culture there, so uh, there's a history of, like, from Jamaica having a lot of Afro-Caribbean culture come into Costa Rica about 200 years ago with building of the railroads and so you can find a lot of unique food on that side uh specifically <laughs> rice and beans which is made with like coconut milk and coconut oil and you can find it with some type of meat as well so it's really good so if you're looking for a, a different type of culture that you might have not seen in central america uh, i would say the uh i was about to say atlantic coast there you go is where you can find that um, and I have been able to go there. It's very rainforesty, like how you think of Costa Rica. And then I would say in terms of traveling around, there are all sorts of things that you can find. So if you're into beach adventures, you can find it. If you want to look at the whales, you know, migrate, you can also do that on the Pacific coast. Um, if you want to do zip lining or, you know, RTVing, whatever it is, you can find it. Um, and then also uh, I've been to some of the volcanoes. So one that I've gone to is called Volcan Arenal, and it's probably about two hours away from the Central Valley. 
But the cool thing about Volcan Arenal, it is an active volcano. So those are the pictures of Costa Rica you see with the lava flowing down. It's from that volcano. But two, there are hot springs around that area, which are phenomenal. So you can find the free hot springs if you talk to locals. They're like, yeah, go down this dirt road and you can find it and you can not have to pay. Or you can go to the very luxurious <clears throat> experience, depending on if you go to a resort and you can spend a day at the hot springs, all things included. And I've been able to go there and definitely enjoyed the day in hot springs and volcanic, you know, like the rocks and everything. So you feel very well treated, whether you go to the free version or the luxurious one. So there are all types of things that you can do here in Costa Rica. And if you live and work here, you can choose to go on a weekend and drive out of the city, take two hours and find your own adventure. Nice. That's actually a relief to hear because uh, the, the idea of zip lining is kind of absolutely terrifying to me. So you know, chilling in a hot spring is much more my kind of Hawk. vibe. Sorry, so. sorry. Yeah. So I'm glad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can find, the, uh, to find one of those hot springs. I do. I think Costa Rica is next on my list of, of places to go. Um, you should absolutely come. <laughs> and I did spend some time in Nicaragua as well. So I do have a little bit of the volcano visiting experience. I remember we drove up to Volcan Masaya, which is not too far from the background in that picture behind me I think um, nice. but on the the highway to Messiah but anyway uh the, my, one of the things I remember about going to the volcano is you get to the parking lot and there's a sign that says make sure you park your car facing away from the volcano because it is an active volcano and may erupt at any given time now, no, I don't think it does very out. often but <laughs> I'm mind. um <laughs> Yeah, love Nicaragua. You sound like you're loving Costa Rica. Are there any other um, Central American countries you've been able to travel to while you were there? Actually, speaking of Nicaragua, absolutely. So uh, we do provide work visas here at Idiom International, but in the beginning of that process, you might have to leave in your first 90 days or the first three months. Um, and so some of the countries you can go to would be Nicaragua. And that's actually one that my mom and I uh, went to, uh, I think twice, we decided to visit to Nicaragua uh, before some things became a little bit shaky there. But uh, we actually went to Omotepe, which is like right across the border from Costa Rica to uh, Nicaragua. And so Omotepe is like a beautiful island with two volcanoes. One is like dormant and the other one erupted, I think like in 2012, something like that. Um, so uh, it was a quick ride over, well not quick ride, it was like six hours on a bus. You can take a plane, you can take a car, whatever you decide to do, uh, but it's a short hop and a skip over to Nicaragua, or you can also go to Panama. So literally we're like right in the middle of two countries that you could visit very easily by either driving, plane, bus, boat, car, um, zip line. No, I'm joking, not zip line, <laughs> but you can make it over that way. And so I have been able to go to Nicaragua. Another country on my list is actually um, Colombia because there are really cheap flights from Costa Rica to lots of other countries. So like to the Dominican Republic, I think I saw tickets recently for like $68 just to get down there. And so like round trip, it'd be around 160, 170, depending on the, the plane you take. But th there are lots of cheap flights that you can take to other countries as well if you wanna do a visa run or if you just wanna visit. Um, so it literally isn't a central 
spot, but on Ting, no joke, uh, well, joke <laughs> about being in Central America, Central Location. Well, if you haven't already, you should give a listen to our podcast episode with our graduate Abigail, who's working in Bogota. She had lots of great tips uh, for things to do and see while in Colombia. I will check it out. I will check it out for sure. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I feel like Abigail pretty much has the same job you have, but yeah, she's in Bogota, a different company. But uh, there's some good tips for when you go to Colombia in that one, for sure. Um, so what has life in Costa Rica been like over the past couple of years? How, you know, how, how have you been? Um, I would say I've absolutely loved it. So I would say some, there's a phrase here in Costa Rica that's used and it's pura vida. So just so you guys know, when you come to Costa Rica, wink, wink, um, <laughs> pura vida is kind of like, it literally translates to pure life but it's used for everything. So if you know, you're like, oh, thank you for this. They're like, ah, oh, pura vida, which is like, you're welcome. Or, oh, pura vida, like, yeah. Uh, it's used in a lot of different phrases, but I think that really encapsulates, uh, or it, it really captures what Costa Rica is about, which is the pure life. It's just peaceful, it's warm, it's friendly, it's open. And I would say that I've experienced that over the last five years living here. It's pura vida, which is just, really tranquilo, really peaceful, uh, calm way of living. And um, yes, people work really hard, but you also, I don't want to say play hard, but you also relax. You take time to enjoy the sunset, to take a walk, to eat really good food <laughs> or drink some chili guado, whatever it may be. Um, and so that's something that I've experienced over the last few years living and working here in Costa Rica, a level of peace that's a little bit different than I would say US culture. And you really get to see that when you live outside of it, uh, which is, I would say, uh, US culture is very get them, go, 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 drive, 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 uh, very driven. Um, whereas it's just kind of like, yeah, we work today. Now it's time, pura vida, <laughs> relax, enjoy, um, take a breather and, and enjoy life. So. Perfect. It's, it's, uh, I, I guess from what, from what you're saying that, you know, everything that's going on in the world and, you know, it's been a difficult time. But that mentality, that, you know, way of life, you know, it's stronger than anything external. I would definitely say that. So, of course, you know, you still see news reports. Um, I still get concerned seeing news reports sometimes. Um, but I would say, yes, in general, it's very peaceful. Um, I do want to say this, too, in terms of what's happened in the last, what, year and a half, two years, um, in terms of COVID, um, there's definitely been a change um, with I guess, interacting with people. I would say Costa Rica is a very warm country. So people love to give a kiss on the cheek and hug and very affectionate culture in general. Um, and that has definitely had to stop um, because of safety. Um, but I would say in terms of the pandemic, there's still warmth from people. You still see people smile behind the mask. Um, and there's a safety is number one. So one thing that you will see uh, if you visit uh, in the next year, I guess, uh, you'll see lots of people wearing masks, lots of safety consciousness. So uh, there's lots of areas outside of restaurants, outside of grocery stores and things like that to wash your hands. Um, although tourism is still very much open and active in the country because that is a little bit of Costa Rica's bread and butter, but safety is also behind that. So. Um, that's something that's shifted slightly, but I would say for the better uh, with keeping people safe, both locals and tourists. 
Perfect. Thank you. So unfortunately, we are at our last question, Antonia. Um, and, you know, we like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast this question. So um, it's kind of what is your advice or uh, do you have any words of encouragement for people who were in your situation, you know, back in what was it, 2015, 2016, thinking about doing this? Um, you know, what would you say to those people? Wow, I would say one, get your TOEFL certification because it opens up doors um, and it opens up literally a world of possibilities and absolute pun on that, but seriously, uh, it opens up the world as a possibility where you can go anywhere. So if you say, hey, I wanna go to Thailand and you have your TOEFL certification and you're like, oh man, I realize this isn't for me. That's okay, you can teach somewhere else, you can go somewhere else. But I would say the world is so much bigger than where you actually might be, whether that's stateside or wherever you're from. Uh, the world is so much bigger and there's so many people um, and opportunities out there waiting for you. And I think TOEFL certification is the key that unlocks that, so do it. And second thing I would say is you won't regret it. It I have absolutely loved it. And other teachers that I've talked to, interviewed with, that also have their TOEFL certification, they're like, oh, I love it. I live XYZ and I, I've loved it. I've been abroad for the last eight years. So um, do it. If it's something stopping you, save the money for it. Do it, do it, do it is the one thing I would say because it's life-changing and you can also change other people's lives by doing this and opening up doors of opportunity for them as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Antonia. Uh, it's you. been an absolute pleasure. Um, please go and enjoy the sunshine for us. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I'll bring my laptop out and share the sun with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but thank you so much for your time today and for inviting me. It's a pleasure to speak with both of you all. All right. Good Take care. Thank you. Good to see you all as well. So thanks once again to Lintonia for uh, taking the time to speak with us. What a fantastic guest. And I can't think of a better, you know, advocate for teaching TESOL in Costa Rica. So um, thank you very much, Lintonia. Um, Rowan, um, you know, what's it like working with Lintonia, uh, you know, helping people find jobs? Oh, it's great. We've, uh, we've really enjoyed working with uh, Lintonia and Idioma in general over the years. They're a very reputable program, very well, well known in the region, very organized. They offer some of the, you know, from the feedback we've received from our graduates placed there, um, certainly some of the more enjoyable contract experiences in terms of the support they provide to their teachers and things like that. So yeah. Um, always enjoyed working with with Lintonia and and Idioma just as a whole. Very nice. Um, so uh, before we wrap things up for this episode, Rowan, uh, can you give us uh, an update of what's going on in the world of job placement services? Sure. Um, since we were talking a lot about Costa Rica, I'll start with uh, what's going on with job placement. In terms of Costa Rica, so we do have a number of contacts there, including business English for adult professionals in the San Jose area, as well as schools with mixed ages in both San Jose and Guanacaste provinces. For those looking for something short term, there's also a great volunteer program in Copi de Dota, which is also located in 
uh, San Jose province, right near a mountainous national park area. So a really beautiful area of Costa Rica to go volunteer in and they provide uh, housing as well for a small fee. So that's a great option for short term. Um, and as Lintonia noted, all the classes in Costa Rica are online at the moment. So teachers can be in Costa Rica or anywhere in the world with a strong internet connection really, but teaching online. And that's a good foot in the door to join these schools in Costa Rica at a later date as well. And I think another relevant point to make about that, uh, just online teaching in general, is that there's been a bit of a shock to the global online teaching market recently. Uh, when the government of China announced some changes to their education regulations late last month. Basically, they're saying that to reduce the pressure on school children and the financial burden on parents, private tutoring for K-12 core subjects will be regulated as nonprofit, and classes won't be allowed on evenings or weekends, foreign investment and curricula will not be allowed, so you know, no intervention from foreign elements. Um, media reports shortly thereafter state that they won't be able to hire foreign teachers. And China was by far the biggest teaching market for online students and teachers. And right on cue, in a matter of days, we heard from all of our online school contacts in China that they are no longer able to accept applications from teachers outside of China. Fear not, however, there are still options. Quite a few of the brick and mortar schools uh, around the world and particularly in Latin America that shifted their classes to virtual remote learning during the pandemic are still hiring new teachers every month. There are also long-standing online schools in strong TEFL markets such as Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, to a lesser extent Vietnam and Russia, you know, into Europe. Uh, so this shouldn't affect you know, um, everybody who wants to teach online. There's still opportunities out there. And it shouldn't affect the adult online teaching market in China either, considering the new regulations were targeted at K-12. So schools that focus on adult students should still be able to, to hire and employ uh, foreign teachers to teach online. I do recommend anyone seeking an online teaching job to check out the website goodairlanguage.com, which is probably the most comprehensive list of online English schools on the internet. And their list is broken down by region, which really makes it easier to target a region of interest. Um, regarding schools on the ground, the brick and mortar schools, thankfully, according to our contacts at language schools there, while they are still facing some hurdles on the sponsoring visas to uh, enter China front due to COVID-19 uh, hurdles, they do not anticipate major issues with complying to the new regulations. So I just wanted to share um, a statement from one of our main contacts at EF in China. So quote, while this news has impacted our industry, the new potential restrictions would be for online teachers, not in-person teaching. We are still forging ahead and we're having exponential growth in the number of teachers we are able to welcome into China each month. In regards to non-profitization component, things are still not clear or set in stone as to what this would look like. Our government relations team is keeping close eyes and working with officials to understand the situation. We are moving forward as business as usual, however. So it seems like um, on the ground at the schools in China, things for the most part are, are not changing a whole lot as of yet. 
Um, and we also work with a number of contacts at Hive for colleges, universities, secondary school programs, international schools, adult training centers, which would not fall under the scope of private tutoring regulations anyway. So despite this uh, disruption to the Chinese TEFL market, there is still a huge demand for foreign teachers from schools in China. Salaries and other benefits are on the rise, and many are in fact now interviewing for the spring 2022 teacher intake with the hopes that visa issuance will be back on track by then. Wow, Rowan, thank you very much for that uh, bumper update, um, but very necessary given, you know, this, you know, sudden, sudden news uh, in the in the industry. So thanks very much, uh, as always, for keeping us abreast. Thanks again to Lintonia for being such a fun and wonderful guest. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to the Teaching Abroad pod. Uh, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe and share it with your friends. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. If you have any ideas you'd like to hear us discuss in an upcoming episode, please leave them in the comments on YouTube or send them in the comments uh, to Oxford Seminars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email us at teachingabroadpod at oxfordseminars.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.